Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Same Old Arsenal podcast, episode 5 of the specials that I'm doing, What Arsenal Means to Me. Tonight I have actually sort of two friends of mine, which is lovely, two people that have never been on the pod with me, this one, which is lovely, um, and two board members of the AST as well, that you'll be able to ask questions to later as well. So Akil and Tim, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's exciting. Um, so, oh, I don't know where to start, really. So, first of all, France and Argentina are in the World Cup. Tim, who do you think is going to win? I think that France will take that. I think there's more all-round quality in their team. And if they do a job on Messi, then I think they get through. But it must be about 55-45, I'd have thought, in terms of split, of balance. Do you agree, X, or not? I, I think Argentina. I think Argentina are going to do it. It's... Um... I thought I thought France struggled tonight. If I was honest, you know, the sort of second half they were really struggling, and I just I'm a bit more romantic. Me, I just feel it's it Tim. It's a little bit like when Tendulkar won the cricket World Cup. It's kind of like I just think it's Messi's World Cup. There, I'm just, there is something end. about that. There is something, it's something romantic, and I think it'll be Messi and yeah. Argentina. It's well, exciting to see Messi against Mbappe. And oh yeah, of, you know, oh, yeah. two of the greatest players, isn't it? Oh, it really is. It's going to be. It is going to be really interesting Sunday night. So, I want France to win because I've got them in a sweepstake at work, (laughs) and I win a nice voucher. And when it all got drawn weeks and weeks ago, like we were all begging the Brazil girl to give us the Brazil, you know, like swap the sweepstake (laughs) because I honestly thought Brazil would probably take it. But the last week or so, I've really felt Argentina. I've really, and especially watching them last night. I mean. Messi is just he's even he's even bigger than a Galactico. He's just it's a, it's amazing to watch, but Mbappe as well. But I agree with you, Axe. I don't I, I'll say, I, I'll say I'm watching it obviously since England have been out, it, the Arsenal hats come back. And actually watching Alvarez is kind of slightly sort of thinking, wow, he's, he's quite a player. And City have obviously 
unearthed him a little bit and you just feel that okay you know if everyone's saying if if harlan's out suddenly the odds change and arsenal are clear favorites well i'm not too sure actually because he looks like quite a player but that's just the arsenal hat i know it's weird isn't it and also our arsenal hat's done isn't it because they're all home and it's really interesting that before they all went out we were all dreading injuries I mean, look, you wouldn't have wanted any of them to get injured. You couldn't just go, well, I'd rather have had him or I'd rather have had him. I suppose, really, if it had to be anyone, yes, because we really need Thomas Party and Granit Xhaka. Did you ever think the day would come that we'd all sit here and go, we desperately need Granit Xhaka? I mean, it's fabulous. It's like a, it's like a Roy of the Rovers story, isn't it? Anyway, um, World Cup. So it's going to be the World Cup final on Sunday night. Um, it's going to be an amazing match, whatever way you look at it. Whoever you want to win, I think it's going to be a phenomenal match. So, Tim, before we get into the Arsenal and what Arsenal means to you and Axe, you went to the World Cup. So was that always your plan and how long were you out there for? And tell us all about it. I went for the round of 16. I have been, I think, to four World Cups and three European Championships. So it's something that I do. Sometimes it's got a little bit of a work hat on. Sometimes it's for fun. I thought a bit harder about whether or not I wanted to go to this one for a lot of yeah. the coverage it's had. But, you know, I've been in Beijing for Olympics. I've been in Russia. And I, I thought in the end, no, this shouldn't stop me from going to support my team. But I also think it was quite right that people raised the doubts that they're put under the spotlight. That's how you promote change. And, you know... I don't know whether it sounds a bit pious or not, but, you know, before I went, I gave a donation to Amnesty because I felt oh. like that was a certain thing to do to balance things up. Um, and it, it's really, it, I, I think it's right, as I say, that the spotlight is put on them. They perhaps, some people said it was too much, um, you know, because no one really has raised a, a, a single word about Arsenal being in Dubai but it's not that far behind in terms of rights for LGBT people or the workers and so on. Maybe not quite as extreme. It's perhaps more normalised in our view, but I don't think you totally do the whataboutery in comparing them. I think it's quite right that there's been this big focus on human rights and the workers. Um, the experience itself was, was superbly organised, beautiful stadium in terms of size, scale, setup. Maybe they should be. They're all brand new. Yeah. So you, you, you stand in these amazing stadiums and you're both in awe at the stadium and the quality. You're a little bit uneasy as well because you think, what is the story behind some of the people that built these? You also think, the thing that you also think is, my God, what is the sustainability? You know, in an environmental crisis and they've built seven new stadiums, most of yeah. which will never get used again. So there's all sorts of conflicting emotions um, something that had its plus sides and, and negative sides, and Akio will have to close his ears here, is going to a football game completely sober. Yeah. Uh, which I think Akil did do in, was it in 2007, <laughs> Akil, you did that? Wasn't <laughs> even then, right. early 2000s, maybe. <laughs> once. Um, and there are some positives to it. You know, you're not, you're not, I don't remember once treading on broken glass or, you know, seeing the guy that was swaying and thinking, what's going to happen to you? And there, there is an unpleasant undertone sometimes to England overseas, a certain what I might call a sort of, I wouldn't yeah, not a pleasant environment always. And this was so 
sober, if you like, that I felt at times it lacked atmosphere. Oh, yeah, it did. Particularly the games <clears throat> with the European teams, which I disproportionately had. I went to four games and it, I didn't see a South American team or a North African team, just by the fluke of the round of 16 draw that I ended up with. And some of them felt more like almost Arsenal pre-season games in terms of atmosphere. It was a very international crowd. An awful lot of neutrals. Very interesting. I met a lot of people from India that had flown in from India. And I chat to them. Often we'd end up talking about cricket, not football, because we can find the ground. But it's sort of like, why have you come? And they're like, well, we love the Premier League. We love football. We want to be part of it. Oh. And they're, they're dressed up in the colours and enjoying it. And it's fantastic. One thing it made me realise, I don't think it will be too long before Arsenal are doing a tour in India. I think that is the big growth market of the Premier League because it's a rapidly modernising Tim, have we lost you? We'll take off. So, oh, he's back. Oh. We lost you for a sec. Go on. It would only take 10% of the Indian population to really be into football and you've got like 150 yeah. million people in the biggest market. But it was really noticeable. It was also noticeable how, not just from India, but a lot from the um, South Asian continent and and the, sort of the, the wider golf area, but they, but they dress up in the colours and face paint in a way that we wouldn't. In no. a, a little bit like, you know, if I, I went to watch like the, the Netherlands game, I'm not going to wear orange, am I? It's a no. bit like the half and half scarf, even if I go as an interesting neutral. But a lot of the fans from other bits of the world had the face paint on and the colours. And I remember being outside the England game. I went to the England-Senegal game. And these three guys stopped me. Can you take a photo? And they were dressed up. like well, You'd almost say they didn't look like England fans. They were so dressed up with face paint and the big St. George's flag draped around them and like red and white totally. And I went, where are you from, lads? And I said, Malaysia. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, great. Enjoy it. But it was really something that I noticed. And the final thing, because I've been talking too, too long on this point, the That's other okay. thing is interesting is I felt, particularly in this big, more international neutral crowd, how a lot of the fans support players rather than teams. So I went to Portugal, Switzerland, my final game, and I said I'd go and support Granit Xhaka, you know, what, find a reason to support a player or a team. It was 80% wearing the Portuguese colours and flags and dressed up. I reckon 5% of them were Portuguese. Um, but when it came down to it, they weren't supporting Portugal. They were supporting Ronaldo. And they oh, were really, wow. drunk, were really okay. bumpy when he was on the bench. The only chant, the only chant all evening, Amanda, was this sort of very slow, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, <laughs> which, which we meant, get him off the bloody bench. We've come all this way to, to see him. So that you saw some of the perhaps new dynamics of how people are engaging um, just on, I mean, just on that, it was actually, I think Arsene Wenger many years ago did say something about this, that people will in the future support players and people laughed at him. But it was evident when uh, when Ronaldo left Real Madrid to go to Juventus, Real Madrid's social media uh, following dropped and Juventus's increased massively. And that was because a lot of, like Tim says, people do follow the Mbappes or the Messi's yeah. or the Ronaldo's. And, well, I think we saw that and actually our... changed teams. 
And I think we saw that in our club and, and, and some ways, you know, how it comes across. We saw it, I think, with Meza Ozil. I was just about to say that. With Aubameyang, where you get this huge star Ozil name. Ozil especially, they, yeah. Maybe they get to know they're a star name as well and act like it. And this interesting dynam- dynamic between a team game and the individual. But there's also other... Was, was, I was just going to say, I mean, I know, obviously it's my, my sort of where I work and stuff, but I, I know for sure that, you know, Arsenal and, and Ozil's camp used to negotiate how many posts Mesut Ozil posts like on his Twitter because he yeah. actually at one stage had more followers than Arsenal did and stuff like that. So it, it's actually is a, it's a really weird dynamic. Um, wow, yeah, sorry, I never knew that. Oh, really? Yeah. You, you probably did, Amanda. You probably heard that over the years, the players have been paid through something called image rights. Yeah. And at one, po- at one point, it, it's a bit of a tax dodge because they run it through companies rather than PAYE and salary. But And the, the tax man has occasionally said, you've overinflated them. Every single major Arsenal player will have an image rights deal. And it will literally be eight times in the programme, four times on the Twitter feed. You will wear the Christmas jumper for an advert. And they're almost, there's an agent almost ticking off. Like, that is what I am contracted to do for you. But it's almost like there's a claim contract alongside, uh, it's called a, the image right element, exactly like Apple described it. And that's where the really big ones really take their money higher. This is why I love having you two on. I learned <laughs> so then, much. Then, I mean, I, I, I was just going to say, at the same time as well, you, you kind of, you, you get to sort of know players through stuff like this. I mean, you know, one of the players we had at the AST was Granite Shaka. And now that wasn't in any of his contracts, any of that. No. Because, you know, as Tim says, it's all agreed before. So that was a case of, and because, you know, myself and Tim kind of work in the industry, we sort of know. So I, I knew that Granite was actually giving up time, not this wasn't just a commercial kind of interview. When did Granite Shaka come to the AST? Did I miss it? Yeah, it was about. <laughs> Eight nine months ago, it was around online abuse, so we did a kind of. A... But it was oh. more. It was an interview with you. It was a virtual. Yeah, not... yeah, yeah. Now I remember. But yeah. But yeah. But, so yeah, so, it's just, it's, it is interesting. It, no, it is. And so moving on to the AST. First of all, um, welcome to everyone in the chat room. Sorry, I haven't said hello. I'm so engrossed with Tim and Ax. This is what I'm like when I go to the AST. I just like sit and listen to them. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, Please press like, please, please press subscribe. But what I want to say, I would like to say a big thanks to Axe and Tim because I've been a member of the AST, I don't know how many years now, five, six, seven years, I can't remember. And I've come to a lot of meetings over the time, way before COVID. I was always there. Um, we used to do it, where Where was the hotel? We used to in Hoban somewhere. Hoban, yeah. Hoban, yeah. And the amount of guests, I remember Lee Dixon being there once, and just just the amount of work you two put in for Arsenal fans of the Arsenal at the Arsenal Supporters Trust, and you don't get paid for it, do you? I'm assuming. No, <laughs> no I didn't think you did. No, it's um, right, Arsenal fans should be really appreciative of what you do, <laughs> especially with the club. Yeah, you need you need me as your agent. You get paid then. Um, all the all the events you put on, all the work that goes into the AST. Massive big thank you from me and all the Arsenal fans because there's lots of stuff you do with the club as well for our benefit. You know, if I've always if I've ever got a question or something comes up, I always say to you, can you just please put this forward? And everyone else does. And I remember years ago, the one the one thing that really upset me about the club was. My dad has been going, what, for about 55 years, I think. Um, when he became 
Um, he couldn't walk up the steps or, you know, everything was getting a bit too much for him and he couldn't afford it. They wanted to put him in the OAP section without me. Well, no, I want you to stay in your seat and have a reduction. And I remember talking to Ivan. Oh, my God, my, his surname's gone out of my head. Gazidis, at one of your events. And he, he just, he couldn't answer me. He just kept going on about percentage of young people. And I said, you need to look after your old fans. Let me tell you, he's been going longer than you've even been born, probably. And I remember having that chance to say it to him. Um, and I know it's a big thing now with older people. And I know that you're very approachable and you do a lot of work for a lot of Arsenal fans that maybe people on my show don't, don't, don't know, don't even know who you are and what you do. So I wanted to get you on to talk about Arsenal, but I also wanted to thank you both because as much as I can't get to many of the meetings at the moment, I always love your emails and all the work that you do. So big thank up you. to you two. We, I really appreciate it. I really do. I used to love all the events in London. It was, it was great. Um, so let's just get on. Let's move on to Arsenal. Um, we're going to do new and old and everything like that. But I want to know both for you, um, Axe, why Arsenal? How did you support them? Tell us about it. So it was it was sort of in the family. So my mum grew up in North London, Southgate area, um, had family that were sort of all Arsenal fans. So it was kind of a, a no-brainer. And then she obviously, when she got married, my dad's side also had kind of quite a few Arsenal fans in there. So it was the only team I knew, really. Sort of growing up, Ian Wright was kind of my first hero and he was literally the only player I knew. Uh, it was just because he was a he had such a personality, and he was just such a, you know, everything he did on the pitch was just it was. You always knew you were going to have a good time when you watched yeah. the right sort of thing. Um, so that was kind of that. That was my story. Very simple. Um, started going to games, and then just it's it, it's it's a personality trait of mine. If I'm going to do something, I like to do it properly, which is kind of why I wanted to get more involved in the club, get more involved in football. Um, and then that's kind of how it happened. But yeah, all started with the family. Yep. Tim, is that the same sort of story or not? No, it's a little bit different. Mine was geographical in that my family moved into Highbury, into Islington when I was about five. And they weren't big football fans, but it was kind of like you had no option on the geography. And I think there was a best friend at school whose dad was a steward and got us a couple of tickets and then I was hooked. And it was like, if you didn't go to the game, you knew the score because you just opened the window and heard the cheering, <laughs> I remember. And there's a great story because I went to Highbury Grove School, which was a school that was 800 metres or something from the ground. And we, we would go down at lunchtime, like, you know, buy a bag of chips and go and climb into the clock end because then it was just all concrete. And occasionally we'd get, someone would come after us and chase us out. And I remember years later, sitting in the office of Ken Fryer, when he was managing director. And I told him this story. I said, I think, Ken, you came out and chased us out once. And he <laughs> leaned forward in that Ken way. And he went, he went, yes. He said, you were a pain in the arse then and you're still a pain in the arse pain now. Pain in the arse now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're a proper hybrid boy, aren't you, Tim? Yeah. He's a wise funny. man, that Ken. Yeah, Ken wise knows. man. Ken Bless him. Knows. He went to Highbury Grove School. I think it was called Highbury Grammar then, about 35, 40 years before. But yeah, it, so it was literally like the closest you could be. Um, I, I remember that when I'd go to a game with my dad um, and I only had 10 minute half times now, the, the thing we used to do was walk quickly. So we got home for five o'clock and sports report. You remember that old yeah. thing? Because then you didn't, you didn't know the scores in the ground. There was no like, you know, instant communication and relay. 
and you'd walk quickly after the game and get in at five o'clock to hear the rest of the scores in all the other games. I know. Those are the days. That's why I asked you, I, for everyone in the chat room, I asked their ages because if you remember Tom a few days ago, he was so much younger and it was so different, his view on his favourite players and stuff, which we'll get to, but you're not far off my age. So I think I know where you're going to go with your <laughs> first game memory, first game and everything. So, so both of you. So Axe, let's just go with you first. What was your first game memory and your first game attended at Highbury? So it's 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 a it's not a clear memory, but I was I was very young, about four or something, and it was a nil nil against Coventry at Highbury. Um, I mean, you would think that would put anyone off, right? You've kind of gone <laughs> to the football, can't really see much because I'm, I'm I'm still short, but I was shorter in those days. Uh, nothing really happened. Nigel Winterburn hit the bar, a post bar type thing. It was right in the corner. That was like all that. I mean, I heard it, not saw it. Um, and it was quite cold as well. And I, I think I remember going home thinking, yeah, I'm not sure I enjoyed that sort of thing. Um, and then I, I kind of, I do remember there was a bit of a gap before I went again, because I just wasn't kind of massively keen. Um, and it was around the kind of, it was actually around the Bruce Rioch season when I actually went again. And that was kind of like, obviously that was a bit of a weird season, but there was something there. It was, uh, as I said, the, the Ian Wright factor. And if you obviously remember, Ian Wright, Bruce <coughs> Rioch fell out. Ian Wright was going to leave. And that's when yeah. kind of I was told that, oh, he might actually not be playing here again. So I was like, oh, well, I want to go because I want to see him before he goes. And maybe I could like write a letter or something. Like, yeah, I was a kid. So it was all that kind of period. And then obviously Arsene came, then I started to go more regular. But yeah, after the first one, I wasn't sure I wanted to go back. But here we are. Yeah. I remember <laughs> we had lots of those games in the 80s. <laughs> Tim, what was your first one? Okay, so it was against... Nottingham Forest. It was 2-0 to Arsenal. I can sort of see the goals and I, I knew who they were because I remembered it, but I did Google it earlier on to sort of check <laughs> on it. It was it was um, Graham Wicks and Brian Talbot who scored. Um, but one really interesting thing in in just Googling it because I had to make sure I, I, remember, I remembered the game and the result. I couldn't remember the year because, you know, and exactly, was the attendance was 22,000. Yeah. And when you think now, I mean, things change with the AST. You know, last year, perhaps our most important battle was fighting the Super League and stopping, yeah. you know, destroying our game. Previously, it's been all sorts of different issues, ticket pricing, it moves around, ownership, having shares. At the moment, what are we getting, you know, 95% of the traffic on Akil? It's that you can't get a ticket. Because, you know, it's 60,000 every game and the demand is there. Well, there was my first game and it was 22,000. And that was the that was the period, if you like, the, the slump period. Stapleton had gone, Brady had gone. They hadn't quite started rebuilding yet. And I think in those years, sort of 82, 83, 84. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. The average crowd was like 23,000 average. And I know that, like, you know, my dad would take me in and he wouldn't have any worries about going on the clock end. We'd stand yeah. at the front for a view, but you weren't going to get crushed. There was no one there. <laughs> well, it's um, interesting. Do you remember the slow hand clap? I I don't remember that. I mean, it, it all merges in. I remember the most exciting thing ever was when they all congregate, when they kind of sat in on the North Bank and then all left to go and chant, sat the board outside of the marble hall and <laughs> yeah. i thought probably about 10 or 11 i thought this was 
a, a demonstration. I thought this was the most wild, exciting um, <laughs> thing thing ever. But it's interesting because I, I mean, Arsenal were clearly pretty rubbish then. Um, and you look back at the results and it was kind of like Terry Neal handing on to Don Howe. But I absolutely loved it. And I think that's age. I think when you're absolutely at that age and you've got hooked. And I think as kids then, we had a lot less to get hooked on than the kids now. And we had no expectations, Tim, because we were rubbish and we were never going to win anything. And But but other things, Amanda, that we forget that have changed. There was no live football on telly. No, nothing. So if you wanted to, it was there. Whereas now there's so much of it. And I don't know, you know, when you're around the... When I'm around with the with the kids, they don't even watch for 90 minutes. That's too long for them because they've got to do something on TikTok or look at their fantasy <laughs> league. It's so interactive. Back then, we had we had nothing else. I I remember, and this is how sad I was. I went to reserve games partly because it was the quickest way to get the score of what the first team were doing in the corresponding fixture. And it oh, they were always funny. three o'clock on a Saturday, and they were always reversed. So. You know, if you were playing Aston Villa away in the, it would have been the Football League then, you were playing Aston Villa reserves at home at Highbury. And it was pre-entry. Yeah. But, yep. you know, and obviously, look, I lived a five, ten minute walk and my parents thought at a certain age it was fine that you could go in on your own. But how it's changed. But that really, I knew it, but that really surprised me. 22,000. You know, that's how many people are logged in at 10 o'clock when silver tickets go on sale, try to buy about 1,000 tickets. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is a shame, and I know that I've got so many people begging, nagging for tickets. And, I mean, obviously, I've been a season ticket holder for God knows how many years. And... It's now become such a shame that I, I, if I see someone selling a ticket on Twitter or social media, I'll quickly retweet it so someone can get it. You know, that I've sold two tickets on the ticket exchange lately. I've never used it in my life. It is the hardest thing to do. And I'm not an idiot. I even had to ask the woman next to me because I tried it once and I couldn't do it. I didn't under. It looked like I was buying a ticket. I didn't but, understand. It's so hard and I, I it's ridiculous. A, I listed a ticket today, and it's sort of once you get used to it, it's very quick and simple. Yes, and I know but, how to use it now. But you list the ticket, and because they use the simple interface, the button you press is purchase. Yeah. What goes through your mind? I'm not purchasing. I'm yep. selling. <laughs> and it does. If you're if you've not used it before, that sort of thing, I think, is very important. And yeah. we are constantly writing these lists for Arsenal. And I think they can do more to fight the touts. You know, the biggest 
you know, the thing I have whinged on about for like a decade, I'm going to call it Peyton's Law when it comes in, I think it is in, is the empty seats. And they're going to take season tickets off people that don't go. They had 2,000 season tickets last year used three times or less. It's just extraordinary. And that's, that's a waste that can be opened up to people. We're always giving them lots of different ideas we might push to go back to the 19 not back but have the 19 game season ticket rather than the 26 so people have a choice all sorts of ideas mm. but fundamentally what what they can't do is they can't get more than 60,000 people in and there is this energy this sense of energy and excitement which to me I you know and you're the, you're pretty much the same generation I feel like this is Arteta now feels to me like George Graham yeah, even, oh, yeah. to, even to the extent that George Graham had to rip out the fancy boys and the posers. So yeah. out went Charlie Nicholas, out, you know, out went Woodcock and others. And in came youngsters, you know, out out of the um, the academy squad. It well, he is, academy. isn't he? he? I think he's a mix, Tim. We're going to talk about Arteta, but I think he's a mix of Graham and Wenger, and I've said this in every show I've done because these are the same questions I'm asking, but let, let's just do a couple more. So, Axe, your favourite first manager, who I suppose really what I'm saying is, who's your favourite manager? It's it's obviously difficult because, as I said, my, my first game was under George Graham, but I was so young, I, I didn't want to go back again. And I was, no, that wasn't because of George Graham. That was because I couldn't see a thing and it was cold and it wasn't great. Um, and I don't think I got any food either because it was there was queues. Um, so you kind of have got to rule George Graham out there. And then Bruce Rioch, I just didn't like because I heard Ian Wright wanted to leave because of him. So that was as a seven-year-old, six-year-old, that was it for him. He was gone. And then obviously, you know, there was a certain Frenchman that was there 22 kind of years. And then we've obviously had Unai Emery and Mikel Arteta. So <laughs> it's quite an obvious answer. It has to be Arsene Wenger. I hope... Oh, it, I knew you were going to say hope, that. Well, <laughs> there's no one else for me. That, that That's the issue. But, you know, I, I, I really like Mikel Arteta. I think he's, you know, I've sort of... I could see something in him from, from the start, even when sort of people were, were... When we lost four or five in a row, I still... Still felt that he had a plan. He, he was trying yeah. to play the way, but it just wasn't happening. But the fact that he had a plan for me was enough at the time. Um, so you know, it's Arsenal regular at the moment, but I'm hoping it'll be Mikel Arteta in a few years as in well. After he's obviously, hopefully, won a few things. Champions League. I want to win the Champions League. Let's, let's, let's get in it first, and then yeah, the one, the one, the only world, one but... European away game I've ever been to in my life was the Stade de France. And you didn't realise how big it was. I didn't realise how big it was. I can't explain. I'm probably a bit a bit younger than I am now, obviously. And it just, I went, oh, we're in the Champions League final. I've got to go. But now I'd be like, oh, just, I think, you know, I think, anyway. whole, I think, I think that's probably one of the reasons why I would pick Arsenal anyway. But it's because, you know, sort of growing up, going through school, college, university, Arsenal were either champions or probably second. Um, we're competing, we're getting to Champions League semi-finals, a final, quarter-finals and in a way you sort of took it for granted, you know, I didn't have that spell in the 80s that you no. guys 
when it was actually or late 70s early 80s when it was really bad i kind of had a year or two under the, the one year under reoc and stuff like that but i was so young i didn't really understand football then so when i started to understand football we were really good so suddenly when we kind of weren't competing it was a little bit weird I'm just like well okay this is i'm not used to this um but obviously, I, I, I learned. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was lucky that I happened to grow up at the time yeah. when we were successful. And I was just saying what Phil Mecca said. It is the first 10 years. No one can deny the first 10 years was the most sublime, exquisite football we've seen. But his last tenure, his last part, and I know you and I, Axe, could argue this all night because we often did, is, and also what's upset me now is that he's got in with FIFA and that has upset me. And his last comment about politics and football has upset me a bit. And I wish, I, I don't want to have any bad feeling towards him, Max. I really don't, because I think what he did for us was uh, immeasurable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I he think better not get in with FIFA because he will go down in my estimations more than the, anything. I mean, some of the comments have been quite quite bizarre recently. Yeah. But that's that that's it. I, I look at I look at of him course. As the I just Arsenal hope manager. it doesn't go down. The that same way. way I look at players, you know, there'll be certain players who've gone on and done stuff elsewhere and used it but I look at them as, you know, even if you ask me today, what do I think of Ashley Cole? I say, well when he was an Arsenal player, he was bloody the the best left back in the world. What he done after, I wasn't quite. I'm not a fan of, but at the, at the, you know what I mean. Yeah, it was and it was the same one last Wenger. And, and even in his last ten years, if I look at me personally, I had three or four days out at Wembley with 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 friends. Some of the friends who are no longer here. Some of the friends who are, you know, some of my family. And actually, those days were just, you know, if I think 2013 or 14, sorry, 15, 17. Those days, if I look at my last 15 years, I would put those up there as one of the single most greatest days. And that was all on the, that same manager sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I get that the second 10 years weren't as good, obviously. Um, lots of mistakes were made. But but if I look at it personally, I still got some of those days at Wembley, which I just yeah, think... Yeah, of course. We, yeah, know, they I, were. I can't they were amazing. He should, have just, he should have gone on a high after hole. I still say that. But at the end of the day, look, you know... <laughs> We could have the finger conversation all night. We're never going to agree. But (laughs) at the end of the day, I just hope he doesn't go down that road of FIFA. But, Tim, who is yours? So mine is George Graham. I thought Um, you'd say that. And I read your question as favourite a little bit like the heart rather than the head. There's no doubt that Arsene Wenger for a few years was the best manager Arsenal have had in their history. For We know the level of football we saw, what was delivered, modernising the overseas players. I think the reason I went for George Graham and, and probably two or three of my picks that you've asked me go back to then is I do think those formative years of being a teenager, when you're even more besotted with the club, yeah. when you're living locally, when you're going to every game, being very lucky at that age to do it. And George just took them on a journey just at the age that I was on the journey of able to try my first away game, even of, you know, really see it go from 22,000 watching some cloggers go through to sellouts again. And obviously it kind of culminated in um, Anfield. I would say it didn't culminate then because I think the 91 team is the most underrated team in Arsenal's history. Um, And, you know, I know there's one game in it that makes a difference to the Invincible, but I think to go that that season with only the one loss and when it's so close to it. But yeah, it's George Graham because... Of, the, of that absolute overlap with the when I was absolutely into it, but also what he did was a total rebuild. 
and build it around Arsenal values. There are always other people that you must give credit to. Don Howe yeah. de- delivered most of those players and a defensive structure. But then, you know, George Graham would say he handed over a defensive mindset to Arsene. To Fingling, I, actually, yeah. I actually think if you can date Arsene tailing off, it was when David Dean was asked to leave the club. And myself and Akil have spent a bit of time with David Dean recently because he launched the book. And we did that event with him. I actually went and spent a couple of hours with David over in Qatar in the FIFA hotel. It's really frustrating because Arsene was like 30 yards ago, but couldn't get him to come over. Um, But Amanda, there is no doubt that half the decision making at that time was David Dean. It was a partnership. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And where it went. But yeah, um, if you said using that word favourite, as in with your heart, it was George Graham. So... Phil Macker was saying, and it was a cheap loss, the 1 0 away to Chelsea in 91. Now, was that the one where Steve Bold had the bandage around his head? Now, believe it or not, I was there that game because I remember going, oh my God, he's bleeding. I remember being in the, and I didn't go to many away games in the. the you were miles 90s. away then, weren't you? There was, it was like an athletics track. End. Oh my God, I was miles away. And I, yeah, I remember it. That, and it wasn't a full house either. I'm sure it wasn't. No, and I remember. Used- Things are changed. You used, to, you used to go and pay on the gate. You know, when oh, you think God, of the yeah, difficulty well. with away credits and tickets now, you just used to go and pay and get in. And then occasionally they'd do an all ticket because they expected a big crowd. It, so many things were different. Do you remember? I mean, Axe, you, you weren't probably born, but when we used <laughs> to get our season tickets, it was paper you had to rip off and give to the thing. But in the back, you had like an FA Cup voucher that you get to yeah. stick on programmes. or I've I mean, still I, got a programme collection with holes in the back of it because you have to cut your voucher out and stick and it. And if to... you didn't get your programme, you might not have got an FA Cup final ticket. It Honestly, it if we told, like, say, the 18 to 20-year-olds now, they'd think I was mental. What do you mean a bit of paper in a programme? Well, well a that was quick, it. Here's a quick quiz for the two of you. We're, in those early 80s, when my dad was taking me, he was paying for me to get in, him to get in, buy a programme and have a cup of tea. What was the total bill? Probably about pence. 20 quid. 50 <laughs> pence. <Not laughs> now he's taking the mickey. Well, we had decimalised by then. Under a, fiver, <laughs> under a fiver. No. I think like £3.50 for the adult, 50p for the, for junior, the kids. For the kids. Before the, and then like a programme at 20p and... Probably, you know, I remember him saying you could just do it for a fiver. It's it's a very different world now. And I I've, I find it really interesting that I've, like you, Tim, I've lived in both and I'm living in this one now with the Emirates and, you know, like the players could all be my children. They're so young. that, that And the managers are younger than me, which is so weird because I still feel really young. But everyone's younger than me. It's so bizarre. And I just remember thinking it, it's like two different uh, uh, life. I can't explain it, like two different worlds, Highbury, George Graham and all that to the Emirates and Wenger and what we've got now with Arteta. And what I think I see in Arteta is George Graham and is Arsene Wenger. And I I love him. I've loved him since day one and I've supported him since day one. Not many have, but thank God. And I think the Amazon, uh, the Amazon documentary turned a lot of people's views towards him and positive as well. And anyway, so I'm just saying about that. Right. Um, let's just... 
move on to. Right, so Axe, your favourite player to ever play for Arsenal and your non-favourite Arsenal player? Uh, when you say non-favourite Arsenal player, a player who doesn't play for Arsenal. Any, who I like. Yeah, it can be yeah. foreign um, or in this country. Yeah, yeah. so Patrick Vieira, uh, all-time best player, always has been. Um, I used to, When I used to try and play a bit of football, I used to try and play centre midfield. You know, I was nowhere near as good as anyone. But um, so I used to kind of used to enjoy watching Patrick Vieira play from an actual perspective because he was actually yeah. very unique. He could do a little bit of both. He always had a Patia or a Gilberto alongside him doing a lot of the dirty work, but he could actually do 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 the lot um, and that's very rare in fact Jude Bellingham is probably actually the one player I see actually that is a little bit like that who can do a little bit of both um, or, or do do both quite well so Patrick Weir and also the way he was captain you know again that kind of era against United Roy Keane you know it just felt like you needed a captain like that to really defend your club and obviously with Tony Adams before and and, and 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 in a way they were similar in terms of they both wore their heart on their sleeve the badge was there they were very proud to be captain of the football club and that's kind of what I loved about Patrick Vieira um and he was a fantastic player um, mm. absolutely fantastic player. technically he was so you know absolutely underrated technically for for a big lad um a favorite non arsenal player uh Oh, so that's quite a tough question. You know, I, I I love I love sort of football, so I'm going to say Leo Leo Messi purely because I think he's been the greatest player of my generation. But you know, he may or may not win the World Cup on on, on Sunday. But there's been others I've loved. I've loved Ronaldinho, Zinedine Zidane. Um, you know, Kylian Mbappe is probably my favourite on Arsenal player at the moment. But I'm, yeah, I love football, so it probably is Messi. Okay, Tim. So the favourite player, I've gone for Robert Perez. And I oft, I, I've done this before, like on platforms and asked about, and it's partly, I think that, you know, it's the best ever. I think it's either Bergkamp or Henri. I throw Perez in because I feel sorry that he never gets a mention because he's squashed out by those two. And I think they was, it was such like the three musketeers, but particularly the Perez-Henri partnership. Mm. And... So partly just to mix things up a little bit, because I found that I was sitting at the end of the line and people were always saying those two. But I do think Robert Pierce was an unbelievable player to watch and what he was doing and got slight, slightly lived in the shadow of the other two. Um, so I say him partly so I can name those three and have a bit of a cheat of, of weaving them all in together. My favourite non-player is a player I only saw once. And I remember my dad saying something like, I don't know if he said it exactly like this or I've kind of like romanticised it, but it was the last ever game that Trevor Brooking played for West Ham at Arsenal. And I remember him saying to me, watch this, watch this Trevor Brooking, something like they don't make them like that anymore. You know, the, the midfielder that ran the game didn't move very far. Um, but the reason I also say that is I got very lucky later in my career to work with Trevor Brooking quite a lot. He became a good friend and he's a wonderful person. And also very influential. I don't think people realise how much this generation of really good England players is back to what Trevor did as director of football at the FA and revamping the St George's Park approach and how they do things. And he was a lovely man to work with. Clearly, mainly I know from reading about him, how he played football and everything. But so for a mixture of the player he was and the person he became in English football, it is Trevor Brooking. I met Trevor Brooking on a TV show and I agree with you. What a lovely man. Off camera, he was 
just as lovely. Had a nice chat with him about West Ham. I said, you broke my heart in 1980. 81, <laughs> so, was it 80? 80, 80, 80 yeah. That's that when he fell over and headed it in. It was the yeah. only goal of his entire career. Sorry? Only yeah, what? I think, I think I'm right on this. Can't be his only goal. No, headed goal. Oh, headed goal. I was going to say, it can't be his only goal. Played yes, it was. Goal. I think it was because that's Played what a lot of West Ham fans say to me. And only scored one header, which was to beat Arsenal <laughs> in an FA Cup fight. <laughs> that's just so Arsenal, <laughs> though, isn't obviously, it? Obviously, because West Ham, you know, don't do that as often. You can imagine, like, the folk hero that he is down there. Oh, God, yeah, I know. And I've got a lot of West Ham fans that, yeah, Trevor Brooking to them is probably our Tony Adams, I would think. That sort of, that cult hero sort of person. He yeah, was lovely well, when I met him. He's got a whole stand named after him now in that Olympics. Yeah. Race. No, he is Mr. West Ham, isn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to mention a name to you, Tim, because the worst player to ever play for us, I'm not sure Axe is going to know, but my one was John Devine. Do you remember him? Yes. Yeah. You're the only one of every show I've done that Stuart wouldn't comment. And actually, Stuart wasn't working at the club then, so he didn't sort of remember who I was talking about, I don't think. But John Defiant was one of the worst defenders, wasn't he? There were a few if you go back into that era and you look at sort of how the game was modernised. Yeah. But, you know, to pick mine out there, I actually went for Santos, that ridiculous left-back. Like, but like, how on earth did he ever end up playing for Arsenal? And there are one or two others which is being slightly sort of political or making the governance points like the AST does. But with like with Park, if you remember Park, the, the coming out of France, and that I think came almost for you know I, I won't commit a libel, but I think there were interesting reasons why they arrived and what was going on. Um, but yeah, I would go for Santos as the. I've never, I could have played left back and it wouldn't have been so embarrassing. <laughs> um, go on, Axe. As you know, Andre Santos did score at Stamford Bridge when he beat them 5 3. It was a really important goal just after <laughs> half time. And, and I'll tell you why I remember it because I was still in the concourse finishing my last bit of beer. It was that quick. It was like 46 20 sort of things. So it was like a minute in. But yeah, he scored the goal. But I mean, he was massively out of position. Like, he was lucky he scored because he would have been done the other yeah, way. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, yeah, he got the goal between <laughs> what he should have done. That's why we let him. Um, for me, it's it's Igor Stepanov's. I, I don't like to be mean, but you know, <laughs> poor Igor, he wasn't quite up to it ever. You know, that's obviously oh. that six six one at Old Trafford, but he was he was totally out of his depth. He was bless him. Yeah. I, apparently, he was quite a nice guy. Like you know, I think Ray Parler recently has been talking about him on Talk Sport, but he was he was yeah, he was a nice guy, but bloody hell, he was awful. Who played in goal last year for the, the guy that won the competition and they let him have a go at being the goalie? Renarsson. Renarsson. Renarsson, what you call him? I genuinely think, on like, to, like I think he did. I think he won Alex. the raffle and they promised him a game. That, that probably technically <laughs> is the worst that you've ever seen. Don't know where yeah. he's Where have they sent him now? To the co-op? Oh, he's on loan somewhere. That's funny. Surely you won it in a raffle. Um, Axe, who's your favourite celebrity Arsenal fan? Uh, uh, just think about who we've had at the AST. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I guess if I just think about our recent experiences, I've I met 
Dermot O'Leary a couple of times at club level. She's got a season ticket at club level. And um, we, we, there was after a game, he was there about an hour. He was with Boyd Hilton, who obviously yeah. Tim knows. And we just got talking about children and stuff. I just had a, a son. He had just had a son or a daughter. I can't, I can't forgive me. I can't remember. But we, we just got into a really deep conversation about children. And, and, you know, we had both been through some stuff. And, and, and it was just, I just realized that, you know, this guy is, you know, a massive celebrity, but actually he's just a human being. And he was talking to me about kind of things that happened in his life. I was talking to him about things that happened in my life. I just realized he was just a really, really nice guy. So now when I see him, he, he kind of, he sits where a friend sits. And when the friend sometimes doesn't go, I, I take his club level seat just to have a bit of a change from my kind of general admission, lower tier seat. Um, so <laughs> yeah. kind of seen him a few times now and it's always a nice, and yeah, just, just a very nice person. Oh, see, I listen to Boyd Hilton's pod every week when he does it with Josh and Alan's on it, which is a mate of mine, Alan Algar, and yeah. they talk about Dermot and they talk about the seats and they talk about po- yeah. club level and everything. Oh, it's a yeah. great pod. I was saying what, t- what Bill it, said, Lofty, Tom Watt, obviously, yeah. Tom Watt was, he, we had our AST virtual, um, sorry, our annual Christmas event two weeks ago, where we, we have it every year at the Emirates, we raise yeah. money for the, for the foundation, we normally have a couple of guests, and Tom Watt actually was our host, and he kind of, you know, we, I, I remember saying to him, we'll cover your expenses, we'll, you know, because he lives quite far, and we're like, I can't expect you to, but he was like, no, no, just donate it to the teenage cancer um, oh. charity and that's what we did he didn't take a penny for it so again yeah obviously I agree with Phil actually he's, he's a great guy I never met um I've, I haven't sorry that's wrong I've met Lofty I sat with him once in the 80s at QPR away don't ask I don't know when it was and I remember looking and going oh I know him from somewhere and it was yeah it was Tom Watt he he's mad Arsenal and he is a lot he's a great host he is actually a really good host for Arsenal Tim Okay, so again, trying to just be a little bit different. So I felt, you know, as much as possible, I think it should be a supporter. These people are supporters, but I wanted to just get in a mention for someone who's sadly no longer with us, but that's Maria Petri. I was going to say that. You know, because you think, you know, her extraordinary support made her a celebrity, but it was because in many ways, when I sometimes think, why do you still do this AST thing? It's because of actually having seeing Arsenal as an institution, as a club where we're all a bunch of people together, and you try and make that build that stronger, that communitarian aspect of it. The other person I picked out more because I think it could become very important for Arsenal in the next year or two and interesting is Keir Starmer, who yeah. is an Arsenal season ticket holder, but you know probably got a pretty good chance of being the next prime minister when there's a really important piece of work to be finished, which is the introduction of some form of independent regulator for football to stop things like the Super League and have more control of the owners. And that's something the AST did a lot of work on. So I picked him out for a mixture of, I think, I don't think we've had a prime minister of the country before who's been an Arsenal season ticket holder. That would be quite a challenge for his security brief to get right and I might have to start missing because we had another leader of the opposition it seems that you're you leader of the opposition you're an Arsenal season ticket holder so those are two names that I put forward for you that probably no one else has no uh, um, uh, Carl Stark said Maria was amazing great call Tim and actually never really thought about that because mine was Idris Elba and um, I just think he's a, I love him as an Arsenal fan but Mo Gilligan makes me laugh the whole time anyway and he's Arsenal but Maria is a really good shout Tim I think really also, is. I remember about a year or two ago, we were doing 
some sort of uh, we were looking to do an ASC advert we didn't do it in the end but we were looking through our membership to see who's actually got a famous voice and, and funny enough Dermot O'Leary is a is an ASC Life member uh Ronan Kemp is a is a member of our Tom Watt is as oh, well yeah, Ronan, it was yeah. actually it was actually Maria that we actually thought actually to Arsenal fans she's probably got the voice that instantly people would know that's Maria Petri they might not know Ronan Kemp they don't listen to Capital but yeah. they'll know so yeah I, I, she's our celebrity isn't she she absolutely. really is I mean absolutely. growing up um I don't know if Tim remembers but I, I sat in the East stand up and she was in the West stand up. I'm convinced she was because she used to scream. Um, and people used to think it was me because there wasn't many women. There was about five women there in the whole place in the 80s. And I used to go, no, it's not me. And grow, then realising it was this lady, I, you know, I hold my hands up. I, don't, I didn't know her that well. I met her once and she was lovely, but I didn't know her that well. But we all know her as Mrs. Arsenal, don't we? We all do. I mean, just, so... just on her, she used to attend all of our events. Just Everything, this, yeah. This time last year, we had our, our, what I talked about, our annual AST Foundation event. And it was with Per Mertesacker was our speaker. It was it was raining the day. There was trees were falling. There was a storm. Yeah, Maria still turned up in a stick with, with her friend Yoko, um, who helps us actually at the Trust, and was just there. And I remember mm. she, she's in the video. We did a little video promo video, and she's actually in that just to say, I come to these events because it's something to do and it's Arsenal. So, she, bless, her. Uh, bless her. She'll always be remembered, always be remembered. Um, um, we're just running out of time, so let's do a few more questions, then we'll do a little bit at the end about up and uh, now. Um, what do you love and not love about the Arsenal Acts? Oh, bloody hell. Um, what, what I love is the sort of the, that, that match day experience, stroke nerves, stroke excitement. It's, it, and I love, I love the whole night before thinking about a game and then going to the game, seeing people before, either in a pub or a cafe, walking in, talking about it. Because that whole, you know, and, and hopefully this season we'll actually experience it again because we're in a hopefully a bit of a title race. I mean, you think that Man City game in in, in sort of February the 14th, 13th, whatever it is, it, as long as we, yeah. we, we, we have a good January, that game is suddenly massive. And I think that's when the nerves will come back. It's, so that's kind of what I love about it. Just going to games, talking to people, um, being kind of a part of a community. And, and, and it is a community. What, what I dislike is probably when that community breaks. So like the the the, the, the latter years of Wenger, you know, in or out, it, it, it was, you know, it was probably the most asked question after Brexit. It was kind of like, it was just, but, but I hated that because it just wasn't nice. It was, no. You could go to an away game, but at home it's a bit different. You know the people you sit with, but you go to an away game and, there was people that were worried were scared if if they were okay to chant something and i just believe you should be able to chant you should be able to support who the hell you want you know you should be able to support a player if you want to support a manager yep. if you want to but but people would do that and then other people would jump in and it was just wasn't a very nice environment to be in if i'm honest um thankfully it's all changed now but that's probably what i what i love and hate love the community hate the community if the community breaks it's funny, that's what Tom Canton said, exactly those words. Loves the Arsenal, but hates the toxicity if we lose and all that, um, the vileness. Uh, Tim? Same loves as Akil. It's a club. I all People say, what's it about? Club means people coming together, mm. literally clubbing together. And it's the before and the after. I think if I was told that I could only go to Arsenal, but you turn up at three o'clock and go home at quarter to five, that would be such a reduced experience. Mm. It's... 
and you know my oldest friendships now university first job that there's a thread or uh, it tends to be arsenal because it's what you do every week it doesn't matter what other things other things change in your life where you are at the stage of your family or kids or work you know but it's a continuum it's so it is family it's the community and all of that what i most hate or worry about is that it's now owned by american investors who, yeah, I mean, I think they want Arsenal to win because that makes your property a little bit more valuable. But we saw with the Super League, they own it to make more money as investors. Mm. I don't think that there's custodianship in there in the same way. And that's why, to link together some of my answers, that's why an independent regulator is so important. That's why an AST that kind of is able to keep them to account, hopefully, and see some of this coming. Because, you know, me and you have stuck with a journey when an awful lot of people haven't. And I'm not one of these, it was always better. The stadium's better, the pitch is better, the black, you know, a lot is better, but also a lot has been corporatized, hasn't it? And priced out and, and everything. So that is my, that's what I hate, this feeling that we've lost control of our club. And of course we have quite literally, because the club used to be owned by the fans through shareholding. Yeah. And now yeah, that's, owned that's by one so man who registers it in Delaware. So that, and sometimes when I think, you know, because there always comes a time when you think, I don't want to do this anymore, but that's the fight that's still got to be had. We've got to try and keep footballers kind of like competitive balance, a pyramid, any team can do well or not, all the things that we cherish. Yeah, no, I understand that. Okay. Um, your worst and your best and worst ever game for Arsenal Axe. Uh, oh god, I should have thought about all this shit like before. Yes, uh, I did send you the questions. The, the, the worst is, is definitely Paris 2006. I think it was just you know, that was our chance to, yeah, to, 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 be, the, to be the top dog, um, in the world essentially. Um, best game, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, it, it probably in the invincible season, I guess. Um, Oh, you know, I'll probably say actually cause, only because it was my 18th birthday. It was the two, the one nil win at the Bernabeu. It was it, to me, it was Thierry Henry's one of his finest hours. He absolutely, I mean, he was a, he was great anyway. But he took on the Galacticos yeah. and all five of them as well. He took two of them in the run. Um, so <laughs> I think that that is probably my best game, just because it, it's it's it was a big moment for us, first English team to win there and all that kind of stuff. But also, it was a special day for me. Okay, cool. Tim? Gosh, so many. I guess, again, going back to the formative years, it would be, God, what did they call it then? The Little Woods Cup final win against Liverpool, which was the first George Graham trophy, which was in, which I think was vital. It was part of the learning how to win. And wasn't that, we're not allowed to swear on this podcast, are we? But there was a certain chart about what happened when Ian Rush scored. Yes. Time that, that that record no longer stood. We messed um, it up. Yeah. <laughs> Funny um, ladder. Um, we'll change the word. But, but just first visit to Wembley, you know, as a teenager. Yeah, first and me. visit of Arsenal, you, you know. So, and, you know, I could quickly throw in, I was so lucky to have been at both White Hart Lane and Old Trafford the games that clinched being the, the, the title winners, uh, that Cup Winners' Cup final. But I think just for what it stirred in me because of age, that Littlewoods Cup win against Liverpool, and also, you know, seeing Ian Rush score, you did think it was all over. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, it was it was my first live final as well. Even though I'd watched seventy nine um, at home and eighty, I didn't go to those. Um, and I remember Tim. I had the best seats. I don't know how my dad got them. We were on the stairs where the players came up to collect the cup. So um, when Charlie Nicholas walked past me, who was my little crush at the time, I gave my hat and scarf. So if you ever look at pictures, <laughs> him on the pitch in the, I've still got the little newspaper cutting. It's my hat and scarf and. I mean, you'd never get tickets like that. These, are, I mean, I'm normally up in the gods at Wembley, so <laughs> it was incredible. And it was the old Wembley as well. I mean, yeah, it, it's memories, isn't it? Um, okay, we're just going to move on because it's getting up to ten o'clock. Your favourite chant, Tim? Vieira. Whoa, Vieira. That was mine. So we're I... just on the same page, me and you. Go on. Because <laughs> it. It encapsulates a certain era, an amazing captain, but there was something about how something that isn't, if you like, out of the standard playbook, yeah, but caught on and 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 was something it's very rare actually, beyond the really basic ones that you get something that moves across the entire home stadium. But yeah, that one did because it caught a mood and a time and a period. So yeah, Vieira. Lovely. Axe. I didn't know Fabio Vieira's had such an impact on you, Tim. Uh, I I would say probably the 49 game, more because of what it symbolises than the actual charm. The actual charm, uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good charm. But it, it's, I, 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 love, I personally love the chance when you have two, 3,000 people in an away end singing it and it's just, you keep singing it. So it's the 49 game one because... Yeah. Of what it is, but also just simple. We love you, Arsenal. And I remember being a couple of times at Old Trafford when we had lost the game. But it was the years when we were sort of competing. 2007, 2008, we might have should have won the league a few of them. But I remember just singing for 20 minutes. You know, we love you, Arsenal. Even when we lost eight two. The yeah. Arsenal fans that stayed sang it for 20 minutes at the end. And the Man United fans were looking at us thinking, we're beating you 8-2, but we can't yeah. shut them up. So that as well. Because I got, I got two there. Isn't it also wonderful, on a sort of slight side note now, that finally we've got an anthem? And I, oh, don't. I was talking about this the other day. I absolutely love it. They just play it at the wrong time. They play it either too low. I never can hear the first bit where I they're, need to stand up. They're actually still trying to, like... They're testing that out a little bit because sometimes it's been played really early, sometimes really, really late. And then if there was a game when they actually were ready to kick off, but the anthem was only halfway through and they yeah. had to wait, and I think that was probably a bit and, wrong. So I think they are still they, they'll they'll get that right. And I feel I still think it's got quite a way to go in like everybody knowing it, and probably it needs like a cup final where it's done by everybody and almost. Do you know what I mean? I think it's got a lot of potential still to go and I hope it sticks but I've been involved in some focus group discussion and we need one and what would you do and I'd always thought you'll never do it in the modern age people are too cynical they won't accept it but somehow it's kind of bubbled up organically hasn't it's it? organic well, because the thing is like because he's he's on he was on social media if you're not on social media my cousin's not on social media so when we were driving to football the first game of the season I went oh my god we've got an anthem it's a crazy I've not stopped listening to this song he had no clue what I was talking about not a clue and he goes to every Arsenal game for the last 40 odd years and I'm like, what do you mean you don't know about it? It's not on social media. So when it came on, I knew every word. I knew the whole story behind it. I knew who his mum was. You know, I'd, I'd heard about him because I used to watch Loose Women. So 
when his name was mentioned, I thought, I'm sure that's his mum. And I put two and two together, and obviously it was. Um, I think he's an Arsenal boy. The, but having the, that but, in the doc, the doc really helped. Because as you say, people that aren't on social media might have watched the Amazon doc. Yeah. And obviously there was a bit about that where Arteta talked. I think it was very staged, by the way. Yeah, but it was Arteta, Arteta, Arteta the entire doc was very staged. But, yeah. but that bit especially. But I think, but, but, but I don't mind that bit. Because actually it was a way of getting, it was, it was essentially promoting the anthem. In another on another channel, on another. we need it, Axe. Do you know what? For years, when you listen to You'll Never Walk Alone and you get those tingles, and we've never had it, we've had such rubbish songs. And <laughs> honestly, it is just, and I love it anyway. I love his music, and the fact that he's a massive gooner and the whole family are that is completely 100% yeah. correct. And it, it's, still got, it's still got a way to go because it need it, you know, we will win well, hopefully. We will win something, and then it. Do you know what I mean, Amanda? It will really ignite. Then at the moment, it's just. I say just, but we're on a good run of form, and it's sort of there and being introduced. But wait till there's a cup final or a decisive oh game, and it will. It will then, I think, bed in like you say, like Walk Alone, like Blue Moon, like you know, certain other, um, like like at West Ham with Bubbles and, and yeah. things. It, it will. It will. I, I personally think it's got a very good chance of sticking 30, 40 years. And that's oh, wonderful. I, hope so. happen. I, I played it to my dad because, again, it, although he's on social media, he didn't really know about it. I played it to him and he, he went silent for a few seconds and he went, I really like that at the very beginning. So I tweeted Louis Dunford and I said, my 76-year-old Guna father approves of your song and he liked it. And he sent me a heart. And I think the thing is, when it becomes, it's not someone who's non-Arsenal. He's Arsenal. So it's even better because he just knows how we feel. And when he was, did his concerts, a lot of his video of him singing that came on social media. And I, I, just, I just wanted to be there for that. I just would have loved to have been there for that. Right. We are over and out. I want, I want to see if anyone's got any questions for you. There was one question. And I think I know what you're going to uh, say to it. Here we go. Phil Macker said... What one thing would you like the trust to achieve most in the next few years? Uh, you'll go first. Go uh, go you go first. You go first. But keep it short, Tim. This time. Okay, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'm going to go really fast. Safe standing, yeah. Seat and an independent regulator, so that fans have more control over the game we love. I you might say that. And I would add the fight to sort of stop online abuse. Uh, continuing to try and get a, a diverse crowd into Arsenal, more ticketing options, get more people kind of coming and going sort of thing, um, and just make Arsenal a, a, the best place it can possibly be for fans. The, the fan experience, I guess. Okay, cool. Has anyone got any questions before I say goodbye to these two lovely guests of mine? Let's see. Um, there, was one, there was one that I saw from Carl, um, Carl Go Stack, on. it was about the Cronkies having turned a corner with the fan base. And are we more Does him not think that the Cronkies have turned a corner with the fan base now? Are we more accepting of them now? Tim? Um, yes, I understand that people will be happier and the club is being better run. There's been a refinancing gone on. We must note that there's no, they haven't put money into Arsenal. They've just changed who the borrower is. Um, and of course, that's welcome and that's good. Um but don't lower your guard or don't drop away from the fact that we wouldn't be top of the Premier League this year if they'd have had their ways because we wouldn't be in it because we'd have broken away into a closed Super League play, you know, to make more money. So I, I do agree, Carl, that there are things to be positive about, 
And I think they've put in place a better senior management team in London. But always think what the ultimate aim is. Um, but clearly, there's not the antipathy or objection that there was and at the time of the Super League or when we'd gone through a couple of yeah. different years. And that's got, that, of course, I welcome that. Um, Phil says, I would like safe standing, even though I'm old. I think it would make, I mean, listen, um, Robert's uh, um, a watcher of this pod who's always in the chat room, couldn't make it tonight. He wanted me to ask a question. He wanted to ask you, how can you make the atmosphere even better than it is? Because obviously it's been horrendous. It's just been terrible. And the last, what, year or so, it is just completely changed and the Emirates this season is absolutely phenomenal but we could make it better and do you think safe standing would do that? I think it would help at the margins um, I think the biggest thing you could do there are even at, even now there are still two three thousand empty seats every game if yep. you can get that in that's five percent more voices and it feels better when it's full the other thing and we have to get the balance right here but I think in ticket pricing We've got to constantly have an awareness of the young fan, the young adult fan. And, you know, I've said quite a few times why I still do this, but the, the Tim Payton that grew up in the 80s wouldn't be able to go to Arsenal now, Amanda, because he wouldn't be able to afford every game, you know, and, and then as a teenager kind of mm. and a student travelling home and away. And that's why, and I know Akil feels like this as well, why we push really hard and Arsenal have improved in recent years of extending the sort of, the reduced tickets were stopped at 16, then it went to 18, now it's 21. We're pushing for a little bit older because, you know, yes, we can reminisce about the 80s, but we've got to have the youngsters in. I know they're louder than me now, you know, and you've got to have a mix. So one of the things to keep the atmosphere good, and haven't they done brilliant with moving the block, the, the block from the back to the front of the clock end? Oh, um, the Ashburton and, Army are just Army. brilliant. And I think oh, bloody so love them. So supporting that, growing on what they've done yeah. is, is one of the ways. They disproportionately make it feel like there's an even better atmosphere, don't they? Yeah. I also think I also think re-signing Saka, Saliba and well. Martinelli will help because performances <laughs> on the pitch. Uh, ultimately, if the ultimately. team are playing, if the team are playing well, I we mean, don't care who owns the club. We, yeah, why are we so excited about Boxing yeah. Day? One is because <laughs> football's back, but two, because we're top of the league, five points clear. If you have I to think keep food and and the, you know and the and the burgers rubbish and the toilet queue is a long time. People don't care if you're top of the league. <laughs> Absolutely not. No one mentions Cronkay this season. That's funny, though, isn't yeah, it? Right, Lynn Simpson says, do you think with both Man U and Liverpool, both on the market, do you think that the Cronkies will be far behind them? Oh, that's a very good question. They, Of course, they came in at the same time. I think there's a little bit of difference in the, in the way it's owned in the Cronky family. And there is clearly, you know, it's being given Josh as a bit of a project or a plaything. Mm. Um, and they tend to have so far they've been longer holders of their properties but undoubtedly the americans are getting out partly i think because they saw how much chelsea went for and they see profit on the table chelsea probably cost more than it's worth um but also and this is where we must realize it because the super league got defeated yeah and so they kind of see that they've scraped about as much money as they can out and they realize that the fans are onto them and that a regulator might be coming and they're seeing to profit maximize um, I don't know on the Cronkies. It, I think it's more likely than not they'll still be here in five years' time, but I bet you they've looked, they've looked at the valuations. 
I mean, we've always been told that, that it's a long-term investment. And That's all what that, I'm, yeah. Daniel Ek stuff was, was happening and stuff. It was always, they were very, very strong in what they were saying. So I, I, I wouldn't expect them oh. to, to move oh. on. So everyone's got the next three or four. But everyone's got a price, Akil. But I do agree with you. I do. But Tim, if he had a price, he would. The thing is, I I agree in life. Everyone has a price, but it does seem with the Cronkies that they don't want to sell the club ever. The words that were coming out of their mouth when the Daniel Ek was coming out, and and people were like protesting and stuff like that. We're not selling. So. I just feel like it's. He even said it's going to be part of our family, and I felt, uh, I felt a sense of dread at the time. I was like, "This is it. We're trapped. We're never going to get rid of them." But as Akil says, and it's true, we don't talk about the Cronkies anymore. We're talking about Arteta being top of the tree and Saliba and Saka and Jesus and Zinchenko. No one mentions Cronkies out anymore because we're doing well. And I understand that. Right, I'm going to do one last uh, question, if it's okay with both of you. Yeah. Because... Just on that as well, as you say, it's, you know, as long as the club is doing, I mean, it was something that Cristiano Ronaldo said in that interview, that he's never spoken to the Glazers. And you think owners, one of the best players ever, commercially, certainly one of the best players ever for Man United, yet they've never had a conversation. It just tells you that the kind of ownership is the ownership. As long as the club are doing well, they'll, yeah. I know United haven't, but you know what I mean? It, it's kind of a, it, it's only until the next crisis when you'll... Of course. They'll be back again, won't we? The Cronkies out. Um, Carl Stark says, question for you. Ticket touts are still a huge issue at the club. Members are struggling to book tickets, but they're on sale at a huge markup online. Are the AST challenging the club over this? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, at meetings, at advisory board meetings. I do know that Arsenal are now putting more resource into mystery shopping, buying tickets so they can cancel memberships. They're doing spot checks in the ground. I know that they're looking at the technology to try and keep bots out. Um, and we are pushing hard. I, I find it slightly ridiculous that the first organisation to do some mystery shopping was the AST. A couple of, when we bought a couple of tickets ourselves on the yeah. dodgy sites. I think we caught a box member because the club got all embarrassed and didn't tell us what was going on. Um, but they've now worked out how to do that themselves. I do think they're committed. I think it's important that you try and protect the real fan base from it. But it's also got a kind of a dose of realism here. It's a vicious circle. In that the more successful you are yeah. against out, the more what's left on the black market goes for an even higher price. And therefore, you make it more worthwhile, people getting around the system. And they do extraordinary things to get around the systems. They they buy cheap phones so that the ticket is on the phone and you take the phone through the turnstile. It's sort of part of the package. They, you know, they create wow. is and identities and credit cards to go to go with it because there's a profit margin, Amanda. And if a profit margin is £400 a ticket, you've got a certain amount of time and commitment to making getting into it. But yes, Carl, we are, it is one of the real big, priorities and I'm pleased at the moment that Arsenal are doing more I still don't know whether they're doing enough the well, what, I would, what I would just add there to, to, to kind of certainly season ticket holders is you know if you are obviously using the ticket exchange that, that's fine but if you are transferring tickets to people make sure that you do know who you're transferring them to make sure they actually are genuine friends or family because we have had examples where someone's transferred a ticket to someone and that then someone has sold it for a profit 
it's it, they've been caught and the actual season ticket holder has lost their season ticket yeah ultimately terrible. it's their season ticket they've given it to a friend or family via via the official yeah. means for that person so whereas if you do it on ticket exchange you don't know who's buying it but that's fine the club take responsibility that's yeah. exactly right so that's why i do it now so you got so that's the one thing i would say just make sure you know make sure you are filling your seat because you don't want to leave your seat empty but if you haven't got anyone to actually transfer it to put it on the exchange because regardless of if it sells you'll still get your credit but the thing is the other thing is go on on. no i was just going to say the nice thing about the ticket exchange is a genuine fan is going to get to go and sit in my seat and they have twice now Absolutely. so and, and, yeah you know, silvers and reds are struggling to buy so the more yeah. if golds don't go put it on the exchange as you say it allows the silver or red to go absolutely great and the other thing is just is, is if you're buying you know i appreciate that if you sort of don't live in the uk you might only be here for a week you're just so tempted that you actually are willing to pay over the odds for a ticket but a lot of these third party sites work as they don't actually have the tickets to be to, to kind of start with so they might tell you roughly where you'll sit but they won't give you any details because actually they haven't sourced the tickets yet so you're ultimately paying a third party site who haven't actually got tickets they may get one they may not so that's become a, a, a real struggle as well there are some of them do have mm. them because people are selling to them but that's the other thing as well that if you are looking to buy just be really really careful because you, you, you could get scammed and then you're not protected at all really um so Such a yeah, shame. It's, it's the two things just to look but the problem for. is we because <laughs> it's the supply and demand thing and the fact that we're doing well and everyone wants to come to watch us which is lovely now leading me on to my last question to both of you Arteta and our team, the Arsenal. Where do you think we're going to finish, Axe? Um, I think we're probably going to finish second or third, um, which I still think is a massive achievement. Mm. Yeah, that, that's my head. That's my heart. My heart says we're going to win this league. But I, I'm, I'm making sure I keep my feet on the floor. But but whatever happens, I, that, that opening couple of months of the season up till the Wolves game, it's been as enjoyable as it's ever been. Um, I think you know it, it, the play. We can be proud of these players again. Um, you know, we, it's funny when so we were talking about the World Cup and stuff, and all the players that actually went to the World Cup. We just we we're so proud of them, and, and it, it, it's a really likable team. I think we've got a couple of absolute potential worldies in there with like Bakayo Saka. Um, so regardless of what happens, I'm, I'm sort of in a really comfortable place here as long as we get Champions League. It's, it's progress, we're progressing, we're playing yeah, good football. Exactly. So oh, I just think it's a really, really good time to be an Arsenal fan. So second or third acts? Second or third is what, what my head's saying. My 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 heart and my Skybet account says we're going to win the league at 40 to 1. So <laughs> 40 to 1? 40 to 1 at the start of the season, I got. I put 20 wow. quid on it. So. Did you? But, Mental, but, um, but bloody hey, hell. Um, well, that pays for my season ticket next year. If, Absolutely. If we do win it. So. What's the figure now? 4 to 1. Now, uh, it's less than that. I think it's about three. Um, Tim, quickly, come second. on. Yeah, I, I, most guests have said to me second. I think second. The net is what's so important now, and what I'm slightly worried about, and we mustn't transmit this as a fan base, is the, you know, of course the injury to is a is a big blow, but we mustn't talk ourselves down on it. And no. nor should the players, because there's a danger that you sort of you you dramatise it even bigger than it is. And I think you know a couple of dodgy er uh, results 
quite soon after this break and there's a real danger that not that the wheels come off massively but you know what i mean but but they allow it to almost become a psychological thing oh we've lost our most important player it's all going wrong so i do think those first two or three games back to show that it it's still okay is going to be key but i think largely it will be and i think uh, you know i think second i think the gap between will be a good second a strong second yeah I think that but I think we'll obviously hopefully get Jesus back maybe get someone in the chancellor window maybe two who knows January is never that great and then come Feb March we could be living in dreamland going oh my god this is a possibility and we're all going mad at the Emirates we're very lucky that we've all got season tickets that's all I can say we we are very lucky and we need to also cross our fingers that City go deep in the Champions League because there's no doubt that for Pep the the trophy he hasn't won yet, you know, if he has to make a big call on a selection, he'll do it for the Wednesday night, not the weekend. So I think then going deep in the competition, if it's going to be close, will be an important factor. And we don't need to worry about the Europa League too much. No, but also we, we've we just got to hope that Erland, Haaland and uh, De Bruyne do not come back as good as they've been because, Jesus Christ, we could talk about this forever. Right, listen, you two, you're going to have to come back to the show because it's been absolutely brilliant. I, I don't ever normally go over an hour. I could talk to you all night about so much. The people in the chat room have asked you to come back as well. So I'd love to have you on towards the end of the season if you'd like to both come back. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. There was. I said I did no research, but there was one question where you said the unsung hero. That was the one question I prepared. I know. So I'll keep it for next time. Let, let's. I promise you can answer it next time. There's so many other little questions I had for you, and a little quick fire round as well. But um, do part two. Uh, yeah, we will. This is part one, everybody. This is part two. Tim and Axe, Tim and honestly, you've been brilliant. I've loved it. It's like being at a little AST meeting. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> everyone in the chat room, thank you. And everyone on audio who I ever forget, because I forget that you can listen to this on audio from tomorrow. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for always supporting me. Um, this is really nice as well. Thank you, Jay. Great podcast. Guys, proper enjoyed it. Um, Carl Stark, great show, everyone. Just wait, listen, just a nice chat with genuine Arsenal fans. And I love everyone in our little community. Right, just two say, days. Just thank, thank you, Amanda, as well, for inviting us. Because obviously, we, we, you know, what you said at the start was, was obviously very nice. And me and Tim do 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 try try our best and do work hard and coming on sort of platforms like this we can kind of talk to more people people who might not know what the ast do and it's just i've seen the, the comments as well it's been a really friendly chat so yeah thank you for for having us on as well oh yeah they're all friendly even post game chats when we go straight live from a game when you probably are the because you go away they're they're really good they're really good on the same old arsenal pod and it's not toxic at all you'll get disappointed You'll get people dis- disagreeing, which is great, but that's life and that's what we want. But they're really good on this uh, show. And I'm so pleased. Thank you so much. And you do do a lot. And it would be great to have you back. Guys in the chat room, in two days' time, on my episode six of What Arsenal Means to Me, I've got Dave Hillier coming to talk to us. Ooh. So, yes, I know. So he'll be on Friday night. And then I'm ending the show next Tuesday, the end in this series, next Tuesday night with my dad and my cousin. This is going to be interesting. I've had them both on at different times. It's going to be like travelling up to Highbury and the Emirates with these two um, and it's just really interesting I wanted to do something during the World Cup we need to keep thinking about the Arsenal because we're all going to be back there on the Emirates in Boxing Night 
And whatever happens, we're still going to be top that night. If we win, lose or draw, it's going to be fabulous. I'm looking forward to going back. Boys, thank you so much for joining me. Everybody in the chat room, be safe because there's so much ice out there. And I keep telling everyone, just be careful. Love you all. Have a good evening. Thank you so much for joining me. Good night, boys. As always, and this is for my mum. Always Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network.